So next up we have, uh, let's see, we'll go with Justin next. And Justin is going to present SIP 151 for uh, the migration of contracts for upgrades. So uh, I'll put the SIP in the gov call chat. Yeah, this Thanks, one's Taylor. kind of an interesting one. Yeah, um, this one's kind of an interesting one. It's uh... So it's not exactly a contract change. What it basically is, is a deploy script. Uh, well, Synthetix is pretty complicated, the protocol. Um, it wasn't, it was sort of, when it was kind of created, it was, um, you know, we've tacked on a lot of things over the years, and this is part of the reason we wanted it to be three. But in the meantime, we still uh, have quite a cumbersome release process, which requires lots of different uh, transactions to happen in the PDAO and get together around the world. And, um, and they basically um, sign through Gnosis safe. And it's quite a, it basically means the protocol has to go down for quite a few hours while we um, while we do all these transactions. So what this um, the SIP proposes is actually creating a contract to do the migration. Now we've been talking about it for a long time because one of the big problems we have is that there's so many different transactions we need to do in an upgrade. It could actually over um, it could overflow the block limit. But uh, we think if we basically target smaller upgrades, um, just changing one or two contracts, that we could actually go this route. And this means basically no downtime for releases, which is pretty huge. Uh, but what it also means, and in a way to do it, um, if you understand Solidity, is that you basically have to give the, the contract to be able to do something. It has basically has to be the owner of other contracts. And you know the scary part about that is if you fuck something up then, uh, and you somehow don't give ownership back, um, then all of a sudden you brick the whole protocol. So it's, you know, it's, a, it's a fairly you know, precarious thing to do. So we've put a lot of safety measures in place and, um, we're going to get an, an audit of the um, the first upgrade specifically, um, and every subsequent upgrade. But um, yeah, it's just a it's a more intense way of um, of basically operating the protocol, but one that we feel like it's we basically need to start doing. We've actually done it before for smaller things, um, such as the staking rewards upgrade. Basically, bundling bundling together a lot of the staking rewards and upgrading them as one. Uh, but still, it's a slight change to the protocol because this contract will basically own. Um, a number of the contracts uh, for a transaction. So at the beginning of the transaction, the, the contract will accept ownership of things such as the address resolver, the proxy, um, and then at the end of the uh, transaction, it will relinquish control. Um, there could be other ways to do it. You could actually use flashbots as a way to solve this um, type of upgrade. But the advantage of this is that when you do it in one transaction, you get um, Solidity's rollbacks. So you can basically, if anything goes wrong in the transaction, the entire transaction is rolled back. Um, no problems. Um, it's really a nice feature, a very nice feature that you get um, in here. And it's also, um, as I say, you know, we get it in, in one transaction atomically. So this is just a, a particular approach that we'd like to do. And um, we'd, like we'd like to tackle it with the upcoming Altinac release, which Olnitac, uh, I always get it wrong. Anyway, Kang will correct me, but he's not speaking. Um, and uh, that's ex the exchanger and the synthetics contract. And, and we have an example. Um, that I've linked in the SIP. If you actually have a look at what the contract looks like, it's auto-generated from our deployment script. Uh, but yeah, we're still going to get it audited. So that's kind of the gist of it. Um, you know, uh, migration contracts for the win. Uh, I think it's a much better way to go ahead, and we really don't want to have any more downtime. And it's just, it's just a big strain on, um, you know, on a number of people around the world to do releases, very, very cumbersome releases, one transaction at a time. Thanks, Justin. Uh, any questions from uh, council members, audience?
crypto tweets. So it's just release v3. Thanks. Crypto tweet. Sorry, I can't. I, you, you told me how to pronounce it. I forgot. But. <laughs> Don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. He said he's fine with CT. <laughs> CT, sure. Anyone else going once? We always come back to it if there's a question. Cool. All right, thanks, Justin. Um, moving along here, like the pace. So next up, we have Anton, who's going to present a, um, two sips. Um, so the first one is going to be, um, I guess I'll let Anton pick the order, um, but we're going to be presenting 145 and 150, 145 for the net cash event consistency and 150 for issue instead adjustment trun truncation fix. So let's see if we have Anton, um, if you want to join the stage. Thanks, Anton. Hey, sorry, I sort of assumed that I would be uh, promoted. Um, yeah, so uh, SIP 45 and uh, 150 are both modifications to the uh, the debt cage system. Um, there are a few overhanging bugs, slight problems from uh, from some previous upgrades around um, non-SNX backed uh, synths. Uh, 145 is the more minor of the two. Um, it uh, is simply a discrepancy between the actual value of the debt cache that was pushed on chain and the uh, value um, of the corresponding event that was emitted for for updates um, from the um, from the debt cache, in particular, uh, partial updates and full snapshots have had different values being being pushed, um, and they weren't properly reflecting the um, the non SNX back debt. Which means that uh, as of the expansion of the um, of the ETH wrapper, um, we had a, a situation where the the event history was uh, displaying. Um, a wildly oscillating uh, size of the debt of about, I mean, it was a certain factor that depended on how much the 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 non-SNX back had, had expanded. And partial updates were over-reporting and full snapshots were, were correctly reporting. So that's a small fix to just correct that. Um, SIP 150 is a little more interesting. Um, this was uh, identified by um, Wyon, who were updating some of their uh, vault strategies, I think, and uh, came across a, a discrepancy in the accounting, uh, where when you issued uh, synths, you would immediately have a synth balance that was marginally too low. Um, and, um, or rather, sorry, your synth balance was correct, but your, your debt balance was not correct. It was a little lower. So in principle, uh, this would allow somebody to immediately profit by uh, minting some SUSD and then immediately burning it. Now, in fact, this is not exploitable immediately because we have uh, SIP 40's burn lock instituted um, so that you can't um, immediately burn. You have to wait 24 hours. And uh, this discrepancy is corrected whenever a full snapshot occurs by the, um, the debt snapshot keeper. Uh, so since that keeper is on um, uh, at most a 24-hour uh, latency for updates, uh, it's pretty safe. Like the snapshots get performed, and um, the debt balances are corrected before anyone is able to burn um, since they minted. Uh, also, in order to take advantage of it to any reasonable degree, you would have to have a lot of SNX. Um, 
basically the, the size of the discrepancy is directly proportional to the, to your personal fraction of the debt pool, which means that you know if you want to make one percent profit, you need to um, have one percent of the pool. So SIP one hundred and fifty is a remediation for this discrepancy, um, and together these two SIPs are um, just improving the integrity and correctness of the of the debt caching system um, to to better account for the modifications that were instituted by um, the various non-SNX-backed upgrades. So that's it. Any questions? Just curious. Uh, I can't hear anything, so... Uh, Hi, can you hear me? Yeah. Um, I was just curious what the exposure would look like if someone did try to exploit this, like, realistically. Well, I mean, realistically, it's not it's not exploitable as long as that debt... Uh, the, 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 the keeper is operating properly. Um, when you say okay, exposure, so it's like... like if if someone or if the keeper were to malfunction or not work, someone could take advantage by minting and then after the burn lock runs out, they would just burn their debt that's too small. Is that it? Yes, and then in principle, there would be a lot of that's USD over. But again, the burn lock prevents this. Right. Uh, like, yeah, the combination. So the keeper would have to go down, but then the the debt cache would be stale um meaning that the burn operation wouldn't operate in any case so there i think there may be maybe there are some strange edge cases that would allow it but i think in general the the risk is pretty low as to the the overall exposure that sort of depends on the resources that um that somebody's willing to throw at it they'd have to really spend a lot to to properly exploit it um, and it's not risk-free because, you know, they're in the in the for the duration that they're holding onto these tokens, they are exposed to SNX price volatility, and um, and so they have to, um, you know, they're making relatively marginal profits uh, for holding the stuff for for a fair while. But you know, one percent per transaction is nothing to sniff at, and you know, if you can do that once per day. And you know, do the maths. Yeah, and plus we have a fix, so it makes sense. Um, thanks. Indeed, yes. Cool. Any other questions for Anton? All right, I think we're ready to move in for votes. So any, I guess uh, we also had Andrew looking to present the um, a SIP for the volume program. So um, let me go ahead and share the oh, link. Excuse me, we, it seems oh. we have one hand up. Oh, oh no, that uh, just disappeared. Last chance, any questions? 
for Anton? Well, never mind. I guess that's uh, yeah. Cool. Well, thanks, Anton. Um, going over to Andrew, we're going to present also the SIP for um, the volume program. So this is SIP 132. I'll post the link in the GovCall chat. So the volume program, for anyone who doesn't know, is a, a program we have in place to incentivize development on top of the synthetics in the ecosystem. So anyone who's driving volume uh, right now gets a rebate, essentially, on their fees. Um, but that's done through the SDAO, which actually has no effect on stakers or anything like that. But the program is on a trial basis. And now I think that proven uh, that program has proven successful. We'd like to formalize it into a long-term um, component of the protocol. So in SIP 132, we're basically suggesting that the um, rewards for people generating volume uh, would come from uh, a piece of the inflationary supply. Um, so as an extra word, we distributed to anyone who is uh, approved uh, by the Spartan Council to be on the uh, volume program and generating protocol. So for example, Curve, One Inch, um, Quenta eventually, and any other groups that are... Uh, driving volume for synthetics. Um, and then, yeah, that designated amount of SNX, uh, which in the SIP is suggested to be 4,000 SNX, um, would be distributed amongst uh, the volume program generators. Amount of SNX can be changed by the Spartan Council through an SCCP at any time if it's too high or low based on the um, market conditions and just overall volume being generated. Um, yeah, I think that's the basic hit. It's pretty simple, but that's the SIP. Just a minor thing, but can you put it in the SIP itself that is changeable by SCCP? Because I don't see that. And usually in our SIPs, we have like a sp specific section for what parameters are set by SCCP. Sure, yeah, I think uh, it was added, maybe just didn't get merged into the uh, SIP recently or something. But yeah, it's, that's definitely something we can make sure happens. Yeah, this might be an old version that I see on the, the SIP site. Cool. Sounds good. Any questions for Andrew? And one other thing. Um, I know we've discussed this privately, but we may have some more additional changes coming, right, for a volume program. Yeah, I think there may be an opportunity to uh, rework the incentives to align more volume um, so down the line. So this is just, a, I think, initial you know, movement to get the uh, volume program formalized into the protocol. Um, and then we can refine and optimize the uh, volume program as needed from there through other SIPs. Um, working with the Spartan Council. Good show. I, I have a question, please, um, on the on the on the SIP. Um, so so basically we'll be moving this to the inflation uh, inflation pool. Um, uh, the, the the question is that um, for the inclusion of new um, uh, protocols or uh, 
uh, other uh, participants in the program how how does the mechanics work is it a sccp or uh, does it happen in another uh, form um that's something that's been handled by core contributors so happy to adjust it for uh, spartan council use if it needs to be an sccp then we should add that in but essentially we just get the form filled out from applicants and then we assess whether they're a good fit or not so we can give you access to that form and then if it needs to be an sccp or uh, any other mode, then I'll add that into the uh, current uh, SIP. And uh, the current mechanism for um, uh, computing the, um, the the rewards per uh, participant and uh, and uh, sending it out, how does it happen effectively? I think we'll have to build in a mechanism uh, similar to how other rewards are distributed, where people can claim uh, the fees on a weekly basis, or sorry, a monthly basis, depending on what the implementation is. So, so the calculation is off-chain effectively, and we push a, a SIP, or a, I don't know. How does it happen? Sure. Justin might actually be better to answer this because it's following the existing incentive contracts that we have for the volume program. I mean, you, we just, I mean, we'd have to write the contract to like figure out how to, like, I, I guess perhaps the SIP is, I don't think it details how the code would be written in the actual contract for someone to claim. It's just more details that hey, it needs to be siphoned off um, to this other rewards. Um, I have been a participant in the, in, the, in the SIP, so I don't know, but yeah, we'd probably have to write something like, um, and some kind of like whitelist and address associated with some, um, with some sort of tracking code. And then that put that, Address could then pull uh, the rewards every, however, every every um, period. But I don't know. It's a good point. Maybe it should be added to. Uh, maybe it does need to be added to the SIP. The specifics of how that will work. Thank you. Mm. I don't know Andrew's thoughts about that, but yeah, it's. Um, or I guess the other possibility is I guess we could continue to have it done as like a you know, uh, like a PDR situation, but I'd rather do it something like, you know, I'd rather do it some way kind of on chain. We have a mechanism for trading incentives that I think has a really good infrastructure for what we could do um, to get users to claim this or volume program members to claim it through contracts. You have a what, sorry? The following the trading incentives uh, model will essentially enable people to contract or uh, claim their SNX through smart contracts. Yeah, but we'd still have to write something up for it. That's not sure. just uh, yeah, there's something that has to be put together, like a, some sort of claiming contract. So it may be worth. We might have to go back and um, and add that add that information to the SIP thing for it to be properly, um, perhaps to be properly uh, approved or looked at by the council. What will this contract look like? Um, how will it be interfaced with? by the volume partners, et cetera. All right, so we'll hold off on the voting for the SIP until uh, these details are hammered in, or? Uh... I, well, I think so, but I just want to clarify, Andrew wrote the SIP. Can you carry that, Andrew? I, I think so. I'm eager to get this moved away from uh, the SDAO and into the uh, protocol. So mm -hmm. I don't know if, uh... 
yeah, I think Justin and I can work together to get anything uh, needed to move it forward at that point then. I mean, yeah, we I could know, do it from the inflation yeah. without necessarily doing it on chain right away. You could have it off chain with this SIP and then write another SIP later on once you have the implementation done. Yeah, you just have to come up with an address, right? Like an EOA or something or, or a multi-sig or something that you want to send it to, right? And that's what this SIP could be. It just goes to that and that. And then someone off chain has to figure out how to allocate it off. I mean, was that, was that the idea, Andrew, in the first place? Or was, did you? Um... Ideally, I like the model where it mimics what we're doing with trading incentives, where essentially people can accumulate, you know, a given amount over a time period and then claim that at their own, like, freedom. But, but what, uh, so what trading rewards take... are you talking about, though? You say that, like, we have code for trading rewards, but we've never actually used it. Like, we've never actually done the actual trading rewards. I got you. And we have interfaces designed for it, so I'm just following the model that those have. But if we need to like refine those details, then yeah, that's something you and I have to do. Yeah, no, we have to refine it. Okay, we can do maybe that maybe the, maybe we could do. I don't know if it's possible to do another call on this out of band and within rather than waiting for a week. I don't know if the council and people think that's okay. If you need to get it forward more urgently, and if that's kosher or not. Yeah, I mean, I think we could do without another call. Um, depending on exactly how you want to move forward. I think there's some tension between wanting to get it off the SDAO <laughs> as quickly as possible and also wanting to get this like fully on-chain implementation done. So I guess it depends how Andrew and the SDAO want to move forward with this. Okay. So, so next we'll up sounds like just to refine the technical implementation and uh, we can probably just hand off the SFE for vote from there because it's just specifics about how that's getting done. Well, it yeah, looks like I we've think so. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Spree. I said, yeah, I think so. Well, it looks like we've got a few questions. So <clears throat> I'll invite um, the first person in the queue up to the stage. I think for people that are, that's, it says visitor or non-member, I think it would be best if we ask them to write in the text sure. chat. Because it seems like we're getting a lot of people who uh, just joined from the public list of stages. Yeah, it makes sense. Do you know, uh, okay, cool. So yeah, if you're um, raising your hand, just go ahead and put it in the chat. The, there's a, is it the GovCall chat break? Is that the best channel? Yeah, put it in there. Um, if you're a, if you're not a usual member of this server, it looks like the people who are raising their hands that either says new member or new to Discord or whatever. And yeah, we've already had a few people that are a bit confused about what the purpose of the channel is. So, cool. yeah, makes sense. If you we'll have go a ahead question, and... feel free to write it in text. But otherwise, I think we can move forward. Yep, sounds good. And we'll look into like what we can do about that, just like in for future um, SIP presentation calls. So, um, so uh, lastly, um, so I'll be presenting the uh, SIP one thirty five for um, L two shorts. So let's let me go ahead and put that in the um, the Gov call chat. <clears throat> so 
for shorts, um, essentially what we're what we're doing here is we're moving uh, the shorts code over to Optimism. Um, specifically, um, you know, the two main the two assets that we currently support for shorting are um, taking out a short position against SETH or SBTC. Um, for those who aren't familiar with how that mechanism works, um, you basically deposit SUSD, um, and you can use that as collateral to take out a uh, a loan in either SETH or SBTC. And then, given you know that it's a shorting mechanism, what you're hoping for in doing that is that the price of SETH or SBTC goes down, um, and then when you go to repay back your loan, you owe less than you borrowed. And therefore, you pocketed a profit in the form of SUSD. And so um, that is, you know, just the mechanism. And we're bringing that over to uh, L2. And so one of the main, the main part of this SIP is uh, essentially revolves around getting the contracts under the size limit, the OVM size limit for deploying uh, to OVM. Uh, the collateral contracts were already um, just below the limit on L1. And so... Um, the limit's even lower on L2, so that means that we've we've had to deal with a number of strategies to reduce the contract size. Um, our, the approach we're taking uh, currently is um, to write some tests against uh, the contracts um, as they work today on L1, and then as we um, you know make changes to reduce the contract size, uh, ensure that the uh, the automation that we've added continues to uh, pass um, and you know mitigates risk of introducing regressions as we um, update the uh, the uh, different strategies to reduce the contract size. Um, so we've got a few strategies there. Um, you know, in addition, uh, we sort of uh, viewed this as a good opportunity to add a couple, like just basically um, one slight smaller new behavior, which is. Um, the ability to uh, close a loan with your actual collateral, with your SUSD collateral. So, you know, previously you'd have to um, acquire new uh, since to close your loan, but now um, we're adding the ability to use your collateral uh, to pay off the loan. And um, in doing that, uh, we still are treating it where there's an exchange fee for um, swapping, you know, the the SUSD collateral to repay the loan. So we still felt that that was uh, an important aspect of it. And then there's also a base fee um, that goes to the fee pool in addition to just the equivalent of the exchange fee that you'd, you'd get from doing this. And then um, the other piece is giving uh, users the ability to um, fix their C ratios um, using the underlying collateral directly. Um, so those were two kind of product features we felt were um, uh, very relevant and needed. And, and we think that this is a good opportunity to introduce those. So, um, as far as uh, you know, front-running mechanisms go, um, we've you know done a, a whole bunch of testing uh, as a group against that, and we feel pretty confident that um, front-running won't uh, be an issue on L2, um, at least with the current um, chain-link architecture and and fee mechanism that we have in place. So, uh, in that sense, um, we're basically starting with removing the interaction delay down to zero. Um, for shorts, um, and uh, with the you know the caveat that uh, with an SCCP we can always increase that you know if we want to or need to in the future, um, and then uh, I guess you know lastly I just add that um, 
we'll also ensure that uh, synth, synth exchange is enabled for shorts. So if the uh, if a synth is active and not suspended, um, if there's you know suspensions that happen to certain synths that we have shorts uh, support for, then you know obviously we'll need to take those into account and suspend them for for opening shorts as well. So um, some of the configurable configurable values we have. Um, which can be, you know, voted on via CCPs or the the the, the loans base fee, which is default as fifteen uh, bips, and then, um, you know, potentially adding shorts for against other synth assets um, beyond just SETH and SBTC. Um, so that will be proposed in a separate SCCP. And uh, for those, you know, we recognize that as we deprecate and kind of move away from the iSynth pattern, that it's important to still have support for, um, you know feature parity around people wanting to take out short positions against other synths, but then also mitigate risk to the, to the stakers uh, of the community. So that's kind of the reason why we don't have those um, yet. But, uh, you know, those are really just conditional on like SCCPs and getting, getting uh, the council uh, confident that you know, it makes sense to add those. So, um, yeah, I guess that's, that's most of it kind of covered a lot there, but just curious, uh, any questions or, you know, from the council or the community? Uh, just one question for me uh, around like the um, iSynth from deprecation timeline, et cetera. Um, is, there, is there any kind of plan uh, for that? Is that, you know, separate SIP? Like what's, what's the thinking around that? I mean, as far as deprecating iSynths? Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think we've we've sort of felt um, that it's important to, um, you know, we wanted we want to basically deliver what we've been able to offer um, with in terms of the markets for iSense with with shorts. Um, as far as the like sort of timeline goes on that, like I think it probably just requires um, more of a sync up, and and you know we haven't really. Um, I don't really have a good answer for that, but I mean, we can we can make that an action item to follow up on and kind of start to get some urgency around like moving that along and trying to get a plan in place for how we're going to make that uh, shift from iSense to to, sh to more robust options for shorts. Right. So, like for L two, obviously, which is what this is focused on, you know, there's not going to be iSense, right? Um, but it feels like having a different experience. Uh, across the two networks, in terms of you know which uh, which assets are available, is, is a bit weird. So it might be worth having some kind of you know companion sit that sort of contemplates that and, and thinks about how to how to handle that to try and unify the, the experience on both. Yeah. So so basically, it's it's um unit unit making a consistent experience. So if we if we add more shorts for since we're not just doing it for L2's sake, but there's an L1 strategy as well. We're including deprecation of the, the corresponding ISIN. Mm -hmm. 
So I don't necessarily think they can't be, um, you can't be side by side. I mean, it's just additive, right? So there are ISINs on L1, there are no ISINs on L2, but there'll be shorts on L1 and L2. And then you can just, we can slowly deprecate the ISINs on L1. Right? Like I don't think having shorting on L2 means you have to immediately deprecate ISINs on L1. It's, sorry, it was it was kind of an ancillary question. Like if we're, if, you know, if we're planning to not support ISINs at all on L2, um, you know, what's like what's the plan for uh, deprecating on L1? Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good area to circle back on and. Okay. We can we can put something together, David. Yeah, we'll follow up with a, a, a separate SIP for deprecating iSense, the plan for incorporating, how that weighs into adding more sh uh, support for shorts for other assets.